1: Wednesdays at 5
0: pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Programme, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at Brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves. My name's Zach. Uh, you can join us here every Wednesday at 5 p.m., 8.55 a.m. on the radio, or you can stream us at 3cr.org.au forward slash brainwaves. Today we'll be talking with Francesca Cooperman, and she's from a program called Steps to Wellbeing. And and uh, Francesca's going to be talking about her role as a lived experience well-being coach. So welcome, Francesca.
1: Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me. Um, So I guess what I'm doing at the moment is, as you said, I'm a lived experience wellbeing coach, which really means that I'm working. So there's the two parts to that. So the lived experience part being that I'm working from a lived experience perspective. So utilizing my own experience with mental illness and recovery and challenges to that, my wellbeing. Um, and have training specifically in utilising that in my work, which is, I guess, in a therapeutic role. Um, and then the well-being coach part. So the service that I work for, um, Steps to Wellbeing, we use well-being coaching as our modality, so our way of working with people, um, which is really about focusing on um, people's current situation. Um, and then looking at what they want to change or what they want to be different how they get there and why they want to do what they want to do as well so what you know the understanding motivation better
0: what are some of your other key roles that you've held and
1: in- yeah so I've worked in um, So in research, um, in clinical settings, and uh, I've also worked in other roles in the community mental health sector. So NEMI, who runs Seps to Wellbeing, also has a whole bunch of other programs, um, you know, residential services, community outreach programs. Um, So I've been in, you know, a residential service for young people. I've been in a community mental health program as well that goes out, you know, visits people in their community, in their houses and... Um, works with them um, for more ongoing periods. Um, you know, done crisis support phone line stuff. Okay, done, yeah. yeah, a bit of everything. Yeah, right. So, yeah, mental health is, is where I want to be, really. So.
0: <laughs> Are you a, a psychologist or a clinical psychologist? Did no, you
1: know? so I have a background in psych, so I've yeah. done an undergrad and honours in psych. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess I might um, pursue that path at some point but I when I finished on is I decided that I really wanted to just get stuck in and work with people um, okay. and work in the mental health sector also to get a good idea of what you know what I liked, what I didn't like what, where my passion was as well before I went back and did the slog of the masters.
0: Maybe you can quickly or well not quickly but briefly outline. The program that you're currently working in, give us a bit of a rundown. What is is Steps to Wellbeing? What does it involve?
1: So the program, so Steps to Wellbeing, it's a pilot program that's been funded by the Eastern Melbourne Primary Health Network, which the primary health networks used to sort of replace the Medicare locals. So they kind of identify, I guess, a need in a particular area and tender out a service. So NEMI was successful in gaining the tender for... Providing this particular type of service, which is a, I guess, classified as a sort of low intensity psychological strategies, which is really just a fancy word for um, f- for people who might be experiencing um, mild to moderate experience of mental illness. They may not have a diagnosis. They may have a diagnosis, um, and I guess the way we work is we're a short term service, so we provide six sessions. As well as lots of um, opportunities for well-being workshops and groups, um, with the focus really being on well-being coaching. So helping people to identify um, areas of their well-being where they want to improve. Um, and so people might come to the service because they are noticing a deterioration in maybe their well-being. They might be noticing that they're feeling anxious or worried or really flat, um, or overwhelmed, or just really. Just having a bit more stress and difficulty in managing life, which I think most people can relate to at any point, really. Yep. Um, and so, and just feel like they would um, benefit from a short term program. And I guess being a well being coaching program, as I said, it's really now and future focused. Mm-hmm. It's quite pragmatic. Um, you know, it could be talking about strategies, could be talking about well being planning. Um, could be, you know, identifying coping strategies, could be looking at different things around managing stress, building resilience, um, really, really open depending on what people want. Um, so it's very much tailored to what people want. Yep. Um, and that's kind of agreed upon when you start the sessions. Um, and I think what I really love about it is that it's really flexible, so people can do it over the phone, people can do it online, people can come to a lead site and do it in person. So we have, as um, mentioned Bachiba when we were talking before, um, sites in Thomastown, Heidelberg, Blackburn and Croydon, mm. um, if they want that face-to-face. And then it's also after hours as well. So it's really about well, what are you going to feel most comfortable with, what's going to be the easiest way of you accessing us, Do you want to sit on the couch with a cup of tea and your dog while you talk to us? Do you want to see someone's face while you're talking to them in an office, you know, in a service office? Um, Yeah, so that's really like the crux of it. Mm. Um, So the focus is, I guess, on those individual sessions, but then people can attend any number of unlimited really um, wellbeing workshops, which could be a one-off on things like managing stress or self-care, or it could be more of a ongoing program, like a six to eight week program on goal setting and well, sort of self development, like Flourish, which is one that I um, run. Yep. Or a well being program. And yeah,
0: that, and that's is that a that's a group setting? Yeah. yeah. So if
1: people want to go to a a group sort of setting, they can, um, or they can just do individual sessions.
0: Flourish, I've, I heard. Was it Martin Seligman?
1: So, flourish. Yeah, the name comes from I guess that that term from Martin Seligman, flourish. Um, uh, but it's a program that NEMI developed that's been used in lots of NEMI programs, which is actually a lived experience program. So it's always run by staff with lived experience, with the focus being on a flourishing life. So what does that look like? You know what? What does it take for a person to thrive, not just survive? What's you know identifying strengths and values, setting goals in line with those strengths and values, and taking steps towards that, and that's that's the focus. And I think it's a really great. I really enjoy running it because it's it's always in that lived experience space. So I feel like it becomes a real safe space for people because they feel, um, I guess, really open and held in, mm. in that sort of space being run people with lived experience and being around people who have maybe a similar experience to what they're going through as well.
0: Who's eligible for the program?
1: Yeah, so um, we're in, we're quite in a large area. So basically we cover all the way up to um, sort of Whittlesea, Mitchell in the north east. Um, we also cover the inner east like, you know, Knox, uh, sorry, not Knox. Uh, we do cover Knox, but also, you know, Burundara Whitehorse, and then all the way out to the Yarra Valley like in the Yarra Valley, Yarra Ranges area. So we cover like around 12 council areas. So if you're living, working, studying or seeing a GP in any of those areas, you're over 16, no upper age limit, which is great. So I'm working with people in their 80s as well as people who are 16, 17. Um, And you're experiencing either really increased life stress or signs that, you know, you're feeling a bit more flat or worried or overwhelmed or... Um, you know it could be those emerging signs of, of anxiety or depression or maybe having a, a dip in your own experience um, or just really having a tough time. Mm. Um, so you know we, we work with carers as well who who may not have an experience of mental illness who, or who may have an experience of mental illness, but they might just be you know their well-being is not ideal at the moment and they need mm. strategies and support. Um, to be able to manage better and feel like they've got a bit more control of things. It's quite flexible, I think, which is what's really great about it.
0: And, and it's, it's a free service. Yeah, and yeah. of course. Yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't even mention that. Yeah, it's free, which yeah. is great because it's government funded. Yeah. yeah. So it's a pilot program that is doing quite well. And I think so far the feedback's been really positive, which is great. And the mm. people have gotten a lot out of it, which is really, really heartening to hear. I think the main thing is this people need to want to be able to make changes or try things or sort of work in a, in a coaching process mm-hmm. so being open to coaching which can sometimes be a bit challenging because you're asking about well what's getting in the way what's why what's you know Talk to me about feeling stuck, you know, Mm. or or where the discomfort is as well as, you know, working towards particular goals. So it can be challenging. Mm. Um, It's a different way of working. So we also talk with people about when they access us about, you know, what would you want to get out of coaching? We'd ask you these sorts of questions. How does that feel, you know? Right. Because it could be – it might be very different. We're not telling people what they should or shouldn't do. Right.
0: It's a bit of an alternative.
1: It's different to say other therapeutic approaches. It's not therapy. uh, It's coaching. So it's a different way of working.
0: Welcome back to Brainwaves. You're on 3CR 855 on the AM dial, www.cr.org.au. We're speaking today with Francesca Cooperman, and she is sharing her experience of her role as a lived experience life coach or well being coach, good to have you on, Francesca. Um, Thanks, Zach. <laughs> so yeah, I thought maybe if you'd like to share, maybe tell us more about what what this lived experience is and how is it different and yeah. how is it used and all of that.
1: Uh, yeah. So I guess in this role talk we talk about lived experience as sort of part of the role it's um you might have heard that you know some of the listeners might have heard of peer support workers or the term consumer um and that all alludes to i guess a lived experience of of mental illness um so lived experience roles have kind of you know come to to come to be out of the consumer movement in the 70s where i guess people were starting to have a lot more um uh, trying to share their voice around um, their experience of using mental health services and advocate for their rights and have input into services. Um, and so peer support work came out of sort of was something that that flowed on from that, which is basically where people were working in roles um, as someone who had a lived experience of mental illness, um, working with people who were currently accessing services and using their experience to draw on that um, to support people as a peer. Mm-hmm. And in terms of lived experience now, it's changed a lot, and I must admit I don't know as much about the origins of peer support work um, as I do as to what is the, sort of the state of affairs now. But there are people in lived experience roles in across um, mental health sectors, you know, people who are called consumer researchers or you know, or peer researchers. So working in research as someone with uh, a lived experience of mental illness, um, you know, there's centres, I think, like the Mind Recovery College, for instance, who have lived experience facilitators, um, peer support workers are becoming more and more prevalent across Victoria. There's uh, governments invested in post-discharge support peer workers, so people who support people as they come out of hospital um, around their mental health. And then, of course, this service, Steps to Wellbeing, that I work for, we have three staff who are lived experience um, wellbeing coaches, so who use that approach, that lens um, to deliver wellbeing coaching. So it's become more of, a, I guess, a mindset and a way of working mm. across the sector, and I think it's becoming more and more widely accepted and utilised. Mm-hmm. It may have started more as, like, volunteer roles. It might have been, um, you know, tokenistic at times, but it feels like now, especially with NIMI, um peer support work has been really heavily invested in by NIMI, Um and they have quite a, a large peer support workforce, um, and other services like Wellways and Mind and... Um, Use, utilize people with lived experience as well. So it's becoming a lot more prevalent um, as well. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, may, it makes sense, doesn't it, like to to utilize people and make use of people's lived experience. Yeah. If they can... Definitely. Yeah, if they can... Um, Use it to help others.
1: Definitely. And mm. I, I really, what I like about it most, I think, is that it's framing lived experience as a huge asset because mm. I think there's still, with regards to, I guess, the stigma of mental illness, people often might perceive their, their experience as, an, as a weakness, as mm. a, like something wrong, whereas in these roles, and you know, we're slowly, slowly shifting towards seeing it as a huge asset and something to offer. Mm. Um and something that gives you, I guess, a bit of a, a bonus in the way you work. It gives yeah. you the ability to see from someone's perspective of utilizing services of having going through, going through a journey of recovery.
0: How do participants respond? to it, do they yeah. do they like the fact Definitely. that... Definitely. Yeah.
1: So we ask at intake for steps if people have a preference of working with a lived experience coach. Okay. And so for some people, I guess we tend to get the response of either, what does that mean? Like, I've never heard that term before. Can you tell me more about that? Um, so that's one kind of response we get. And I think that's really great opportunity to educate people around what lived experience work is and it's sort of a way of, as well, destigmatizing that you know someone with lived experiences in a, mm. in a work in a workforce in, you know, in a therapeutic role. And then the other kind of response we get is that resounding yes, yes, please. Like I really want to work with someone who knows what it's like, who just has an understanding of where I'm at and what it's like to be on this side of the phone or this side of the the table. Mm. Um, and yeah, so we get that that real what people a lot of people who come um from that cloud of things often have had difficult experiences with services who might have felt really um judged or not have had negative experiences with services. And so often working with a lived experience coach or a lived experience staff member um in a service is a really is is a way of kind of building that trust and positive mm. relationship. With a service again, because it can be really challenging if you've had experiences where you haven't felt heard, or that people didn't really understand where you were at, or yeah. were judging you or your experience. So, I think people have often shared that at intake with us that they, they felt that way, and that also that's potentially why they want to work with someone specifically who yeah. has a lived experience.
0: It's a lot um, flatter, a it's flatter relationship, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah.
1: and a lot more mutual. I yep. guess naturally, like, and I talk about that as well, even as a someone with lived experience, there's still a power imbalance when someone comes to you mm. and is seeking help. Yeah. And, like, that's always in the room. Um, but with this coaching and the way I try to work is sort of just own that but also try as much as possible to make it a really mutual relationship mm. and come from a place of drawing on the person's expertise. You know, mm-hmm. they're the person living their life the many many hours that they're not in a coaching session with me, they know what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them, what's important to them, and what's not. And it's sort of, um, it's not my place to to assume that I'm the expert or that mm. I know more. Um, yep. I can draw on my skills and expertise to support them with their permission, but I'm not going to assume um, that I know more. So it's trying to come yeah. down to you know, trying for us to be on the same level as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's kind of the medical model, isn't it? The health professional is the expert and, yep. you, and you've come to get this get their advice, get their service. Yep.
1: It's not that I don't provide support or advice or suggestions, but it's the way I do. So it's, you know, as I mentioned when we were talking before, so all the strategies or tools or resources I introduce mm. in coaching, I have either tried myself or you know, to get a sense of what it's like to use them or I use them is, as part of my toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sharing maybe the learnings or the challenges or the n- sort of tips and tricks of, of navigating that and sort of having that way of, of utilising those tools in coaching. Yep. And I think as opposed to you should do this, Um, because it might help or Mm. it will help you. It will fix everything, which is, you know, obviously a generalisation of what medical kind of model Mm. is or Mm. was, but it's sort of not coming from a a place of of that of you should because Mm. or I I think this will be useful, therefore I'm telling you to do it. It's more, you know, this is something that I might have used. This is what it it helped with. This is what was hard about it. um, This is the way I've used it.
0: What, yep. you know does that mm-hmm.
1: sound interesting to you do, what do you think about that what do you like about it what don't you like about right.
0: it right yeah
1: um, that yep. people are participating in a process they're not yep. they're not passive bystanders they're right. really active right not
0: by- passive consumers of a service yeah, yeah. exactly yep. yeah and defined people that you really i don't know that that there's you particularly relate to in terms of your experiences is there, is there that level of kind of matching up or is it really just you know, enough to, to, to have a lived experience? Well,
1: specifically when people get allocated to one of the lived experience staff, it's not a specific, you know, you're going to work with someone who has an experience of anxiety or depression or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, but certainly I feel in myself that I will definitely relate a lot to people that have had similar experiences. You just naturally, it's just, I guess, like with friends or, or people that you speak to and you relate to when they've had a shared experience. It's a profound way of connecting Mm. with somebody so you definitely feel that but I think I feel that in any respect with working with someone who's because you can always draw similarities it's not to say that our experiences will ever be the same because they're Mm. they're not that's not the assumption either it's more just about having walked in the same sort of shoes or walked a similar path
0: and like you mentioned, depression and anxiety. I mean, we, in the mental health space, you know, it seems to be kind of the bread and butter of mental health issues these days.
1: It's definitely the most common experience because I feel like, one, it is probably, you know, we see them the most in terms of societally. Depression and anxiety mm-hmm. are, are definitely the most common. But that's not to say that people who are who are experiencing um different levels of of illness or different types, you know, people who might be experiencing borderline or personality disorder or schizophrenia or or other sort of bipolar, it doesn't doesn't sort of mean that they can't work with someone with a lived experience or access steps. It's more about whether they feel like coaching is the right fit for them, Mm -hmm. specifically with steps, and I guess with the lived experience worker, whether they feel like it's useful to work with someone who – has been on the same side of the table as them at some point and has an understanding of what it's like to navigate the system because it is a tricky system and it can be challenging Mm. at times to Mm. get support, to get the right support. So that's not to say that someone who has, has medical support from a psychiatrist, you know, we have people accessing steps who have support from psychiatrists or other health professionals um, and that we're just part of their toolbox for a time, mm. that we're resourcing them in a different way. Yep. Um, it could be that they, they, don't, they consciously don't want to utilise medication and are wanting to use a service, or it could be another resource.
0: I don't know if you had to sum up what, a, what Lift Experience Life Coaching is or what it does or, or how it's different. What would you say, like offering it to people as an alternative, what might get people... To go, wow, that sounds like something I'd like yeah. to have a go of if, if they haven't already.
1: Yeah, I guess what I guess what we sh- people have shared with us after accessing our service and that they've said is really unique about working with a lived experience coach is that they just felt there was this really unspoken sense of this unspoken understanding with you know the idea that they just felt that the coach or person really understood where they'd been where they were at, you know, what they wanted um, and also just that understanding of being in the same shoes or same boat at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean that I I or the other lived experience staff members or other peer support workers in other services share really specific experiences or war stories or about their experience of mental illness Um, and people didn't, you know, share that they didn't expect people to share that much detail. It's more about Sometimes the only disclosure I make is that I am a lived experience wellbeing coach and Mm. that's the only only sort of disclosure specifically. But other times, as I mentioned before, around the strategies I use in coaching, it could be around, you know, the specific strategies I've tried or a similar experience that I had and the learnings I had from Mm. that or the challenges of that. So, yeah, and I guess a lot of people who've accessed our service and, I myself have found, you know, talking to people who've had a lived experience really powerful. Mm. It's just a really profound way of connecting yeah. and and feeling understood.
0: I'm an undergrad psych student and I and I don't remember much of what I've learned, but I, I remember hearing once that um, they were t- I think we were, they were talking about this thing called therapeutic alliance yeah. and being important. Definitely. And I, I remember this pie graph they'd sort of put up showing that I think it was something like, like 40. Eight,
1: I think it's like 80% oh, wow. in research okay. from really? memory. It's yeah. about 70 to 80% of the success regardless of, yeah. you know, yeah. the qualification of the person, the modality used. It's mm. the, And really what that comes down to is the relationship. The
0: relationship, yeah. And lived yep.
1: experience can be a really great way of building that relationship because mm. it shows your vulnerability, your humanness, you know, your experience as well. Yep. Um, and people – relate to that.
0: Just to wrap up, do you want to maybe, yeah, how do how do people access uh, Steps to Wellbeing?
1: Yeah, so people can access us um, via the website. They don't need a GP referral to access us. So they can go to www.stepstowellbeing.org.au and submit a referral if they want for themselves. They can have someone refer them if they want, or they can call our um, intake number and there's someone there... Every day during business hours, um, and they'll get a call back, or someone will answer the phone if they, um, or they can leave a message, and that number is eight six nine one five four five zero from memory. Great. Um, but yeah, or they can just shoot us an email as well, depending on what people feel comfortable with.
0: Great to have you on, Francesca. Thanks so much thanks, for um, sharing what you do, and yeah, keep up the good work, and um, maybe see you again soon. Thanks,
1: thanks for having me. Brainwaves, hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm.
0: Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
1: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast